Okay, is that it? Yay, there we are. That's it. As I was saying, uh, the, 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 tit- the, uh, the, series title, the title of the series that we are doing now through Colossians as a church is called Live Your Life. And uh, the point is, is that God wants to give us a life in Jesus. And that uh, sometimes the world wants to paint a picture of a God who wants to take your life away. And uh, I think sometimes our young people, all of us really, are tempted into sin, are tempted away from God with the promise that other things offer real life. Other things will offer real pleasure. And they may do offer pleasure fleetingly. But Jesus, the life that Jesus offers us, in the community of the church as well, is the life he wants you to live. And uh, Colossians is an encouragement to us to keep focused on Jesus. Because there are many temptations, aren't there, to take our focus off of Jesus. There are many temptations to look for answers and pleasures and, and, and uh, healing in other places than Jesus. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he's everything you need for now and for eternity. The more you know Jesus, the happier you will be. Amen? It's challenging as well, don't get me wrong. The more you know Jesus, the more whole your life will be. The more healed your life will be. The more glowing you will be. You will be a light to those around you as you get to know Jesus more and live the life that he has for you. This morning, I'm going to be speaking from Colossians chapter 3, um, moving on from what Sam spoke about last week. Now, I've got to find it myself. Sam last week talked about us being made alive in Christ. And uh, one of the privileges of being a Christian is that we have been what's called regenerated. Regenerated. Is that the word? Regenerated. Regenerated. You are regenerate if you're a Christian. That means you have been born again is another term. You're not just somebody who's trying to be religious or live according to some rules. God has transformed you. That's called regeneration, being born again. Yeah? If you, if you are a Christian, you are born again. You are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you, if you, recently, Kevin Rose turned up on a Sunday afternoon with a big box of cherries. It's very nice. Apparently they've hired a cherry tree. Can you believe it? And what happens is, believe it or not, is that in the spring there is blossom. The bees come along, the lovely buzzy bees. They come and pollinate the tree. And then there is fruit. And the lovely cherries, and I've eaten the cherries, it's very nice, nice cherry pie and all the rest of it. Fruit comes from the tree. The cherry tree produces fruit. Right, yeah? The cherry tree produces fruit. The farmer does not go out and stick the cherries on the tree. While Liz and Kevin are at home in bed, the farmer comes along and he sticks the cherries on. No, he doesn't. The tree produces cherries. And that's true of Christians. If you are alive in Jesus, you will bear fruit, right? You'll bear fruit. And, and, you, and those around you will see that fruit. They'll say, you've changed. It won't just be because you're happy and smiling. I hope you are, you are happy and smiling. But it'll be other things as well. The way you change. Your moral life will change. And people will look at you because of your language, the way you now live, 
the way you treat your children, the way you treat your wife or girlfriends, boyfriends, the way you act at work will change. It's fruit, fruit of the Spirit, and people will see that. And they'll say, man, that's amazing. What's happened to you? And you say, it's Jesus. You don't say, well, I stuck the fruit on. I stuck the fruit on. I I changed myself, do you? Jesus changed you. And in Colossians, it talks about that, how Jesus has changed your life. The message of my preach today is a whole new image. Samuel, I'm going to embarrass you. you. You wanted to embarrass me. Do you want to see the socks that Samuel bought for me the other day? You won't better see them from where you are, right? It says, the most embarrassing dad. <laughs> it's got a dad dancing, and I'm going to embarrass you now, right? The most embarrassing dad, right? Isn't that nice? I know it's because t- it, you love me, really. Samuel, just put your hat on a minute. Stand up. <laughs> Come on, put your hat on, stand up, show everyone this hat, show, show them your new, come on, let's have a look, new day, this is the new day look, right? Do you, I, I could hear some of you saying, you call that nice music, you know, the gig thing, anyway, stand up, look, look, Samuel, stand up, stand up, turn around, Samuel, come on, stand up, turn around, they didn't see you properly, Samuel, people at the back, do you see this new image? You embarrass me, you rascal. I'm going to talk about the Christian's whole new image. And the thing about Samuel, to embarrass you, rascal, is that over recent... He's now, do you know what? He's now in this morning, and he used to be in Mega Mix. He's no longer in Mega Mix, are you? Now you are now a youth guy, aren't you? You've grown up, you're now in youth. He's now with us in the main meeting. The main meeting? No, this isn't the main meeting, the, the, the other meeting. And uh, one thing I've noticed recently, and, I, and I'll bring it more broadly now, children... When they're of a certain age, right, they, they like things like, you know, they like dressing up, don't they? Yeah? Pirates, things like that. Yeah? Pirate outfits. Jonathan Pemberthy, what did you used to like dressing up as? Dresses and high heels. Dresses and high heels. <laughs> Put off the old man, my friend. Put off the old man. Repent. I'm sure he used to like dressing up in other things than that, but he does have sisters, so, you know. Um, when you were a child, you'd like dressing up in certain ways. But I notice that when, you start, when children start moving towards uh, secondary school, they suddenly, their image, they suddenly become more conscious image, image conscious. Do they not? Yeah? I remember becoming very much more conscious of my image as I got older. And now you get to, then you get to a certain point of my age and you stop worrying about your image and you start going, I don't care anymore. San, look at those shoes that San is wearing this morning. Come up here, look. Come, no, come here, San. Stand on this platform now. What's wrong with it? Now pull up your shoe. Pull up your trousers. Sorry if you're in the back, right? He has got boating shoes on with no socks. Get off this stage. Image, right? Image. We all have an image. We don't have an image. Even that's an image. And the Christian has a whole new image. A whole new image. A different image. They are transformed. There should be a distinction between the, what we call the world, what I mean by the world is those outside of Jesus. There are two races on earth, according to the Scriptures. There are those in Christ, and there are those who are outside of Christ, or who are in Adam. Two, two races. In Christ, outside of Christ. 
And those in Christ, I'm not saying in the church, because there are people in this church who aren't Christians. They may even say the right things, but they're not necessarily in Christ. I'm saying those who are in Jesus, who are born again, who are regenerate, not just religious, not just attending church, born again, there is a distinction between them and the world. Or there should be anyway. There should be a definite this is, this is you, this is us, we're different. And it shows by our moral behaviour and what we believe. There is fruit in our lives. There are things we do do, there are things we don't do. We, do, we commit things and we omit things from our lives. You have taken off, my first point, your old image, keep it off. And let me read to you from Colossians chapter 3. You have taken off your old image, keep it off. Maybe, sorry, maybe I need to go back a slide for the reading. Colossians chapter 3, starting from verse 5. Put to death. That sounds pretty harsh. I thought we're non-violent, aren't we? Yes, not when it comes to things like this. Put to death. Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Now, it's not just greed. The whole thing is idolatry. All those things are idolatry. I'll talk about that more in a bit. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Wrath means anger. Wrath means judgment. Righteous judgment, not unrighteous judgment. We are doing these things. Because of these things, the wrath of God, the judgment of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Remember? Image, old image, new image. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves, rid yourselves, put to death, rid yourselves of all such things as these. Another list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. The first set of sins are to do with sexual sin, sensuality, and so on. The second list of sins are to do with relationships within the church. And also, obviously, it overflows outside the church as well. So before you were a Christian, or before you were in Christ, rather, sexual sin the way we looked, what we looked at, what we thought about, sensuality, living for pleasure, sexual pleasure, was our God, one of our gods. And one of the sins we also lived in before we were in Christ was divisiveness, unforgiveness, jealousy, relationship problems. Okay, that's, the world is full of both those things, is it not? Sexual sin is, is rife. It is actually glorified. In fact, it's, it's actually considered ethically good, is it not, to to uh, sow your wild oats, as it were, to enjoy yourself, to... I've even heard people say, well, you need to try out your girlfriend, don't you, before you marry her? And that's called bringing dignity, is it? That's called bringing dignity. No, it's not. So, those sorts of things. But now you must rid yourselves of these things. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self. So have taken off the old self, the old image, or sometimes um, rendered the old man. You've taken off the old man with its practices, which we've just talked about, 
and have put on the new man or the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So your new image is Jesus. If you're in Christ, he's your idol, right? He's your king. He's your ruler. He's your lord. He's your saviour. He's the one we're looking to. He's the one we want to be like, to imitate. And obviously, sometimes we look to older saints who are just ahead of us, who are imitating Jesus. And we imitate them as well, because they're imitating Jesus. But we want to know. We want to be like Jesus. That's the image that we're taking on. So the old man, the new man. Two races. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Jesus. And I'll talk more about these things as we go along. So I've said, my first point is, you have taken off the old image if you're a Christian. You've taken off the old image. It says in these verses, do not do certain things because, now I've added that obviously, do not do certain things because you have taken off the old self or the old man with its practices and have put on the new self, the new man which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. You've heard this before, but I'll say it again. Identity changes everything, does it not? If you are confident about a situation, the way you act, if you're not confident, then then you will act accordingly. If you think you're useless, you'll behave like you're useless. If you think you have a destiny, you will live like you have a destiny. If you think you're created, you'll live like someone who's been created. If you think you're designed with a plan, with a God who loves you and has made you, then you'll live like that, with some dignity and with some sense of destiny ahead of me. Whereas if you believe that you are created by the mindless um, you know, moves of evolution and the, and the way that um, science often portrays our creation as that which is accidental, then you'll live like you're an accident with no moral accountability. Identity changes everything. You do not try to breathe underwater, do you not? Do you? Do you try to breathe underwater? Maybe you did when you were very small. But you do not try to breathe underwater because you're not a fish. Identity changes everything, right? You do not try to eat grass. There is lots of grass. It would be nice if we could eat grass, wouldn't it? You're hungry those days, you're out. It would be nice if you could eat grass. If you've ever tried eating grass, it doesn't taste very nice. You know, it gets in your mouth, you can't even swallow it. It's like, I've tried. The cows, the sheep, the pigs, I don't know if they do. Lots of things eat grass. Our identity is such that we cannot eat grass. You're not a grass-eating thing. Do not try to fly. You will die. (laughs) Knowing your identity is important. And it's true. We can can apply that quite easily. I'm not going to try flying because I will die. You know... It's easy, that I sort of, yeah, I get that. In the same way as, as being a Christian, we're going to talk about how you apply that identity to your life. And it needs to become as natural as that. I don't do that because I am this. I don't do that because I am this. You understand? I put that to death because I am this. I don't do those things because I'm not that anymore. And that's what identity is about. My, my identity, I'm Matt Beanie. Matthew Allen Beanie, may I say. Matthew Allen Beanie, born 3rd of January 1974, a year older than him, little scallywag, so I can tell him what to do. My identity gives me rights. I, can, I am insured on my car. I can drive my car. 
if I crash my car, I have an, an insurance policy. I have a valid driver's license, which means I have rights. I, I have every right to drive my car. If you say to me, Matt Beanie, don't you drive that car. I'll say to you, I have every right to drive that car. You have no right to tell me not to drive that car. My identity gives me rights. I own my house. Helen would dispute that, but I do own my house. I can sell it if I want to. I can spend the money on garden gnomes if I wanted to. I own it. My identity means I have strengths and weaknesses. I'm not very tidy. I keep telling my wife I am tidy. Deep down inside, I have a desire for tidiness. Are you one of these people like me? I love to be tidy. Oh, if only I was tidy, my, wife, my life, my wife, my world would feel so much better. Do you feel that? Oh, if only I was... Deep down inside, I am tidy. I just need to bring out my tidy self. My identity means I have strengths and weaknesses, okay? That's my identity. It changes everything. And your identity can change, believe it or not. I talked about children and, and, and young adults and so on. Your identity can change. If you come from another nation, you can change your citizenship. I believe you've got dual citizenship. Have you not? American and English, right? Okay. Some people have dual citizenship. Your identity can change. You can have a different passport. You can change your clothes. You can change the way you behave. Your identity can change. And I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know if you think like I think about you. But actually, I believe you are all very valuable. Now, I believe you are made by God and you have a purpose in life. I believe you have strengths and you have weaknesses and your weaknesses don't nullify your strengths. Your strengths are beautiful and wonderful and, you, and as part of a body in the church, you have something to contribute. Sometimes I think we, we can sometimes fall for the lie, I have nothing to contribute, I have nothing to give, I am, I am not valuable. Well, as Christians, and I don't know if you are a Christian, I would say you are valuable. You are amazingly valuable, so valuable that God died for you so he could rescue you. And he wants you to know him. Your identity can change from one where you feel you have no purpose, no plan, no meaning, and you can step over a line like we heard earlier from Hillary. You can cross a bridge, you can come out of that turbulent waters, and you can step onto the bank where now you can view life from a whole new vantage point. You can be in Christ, in the love of God, and understand even though we go through many difficulties, you know there's purpose and meaning. Your identity can change. A Christian's identity has changed. Your nature is transformed when you become a Christian. Your appetites change. I don't know what you experienced when you became a Christian, but I know for myself... In fact, if you've become a Christian, you would have experienced this as well. You would have experienced a new passion for God, and you you would have experienced a faith in Jesus as your saviour, and you would have experienced a love for the church, warts and all, 
you'd have experienced many transformations of appetites because your identity changes when you become a Christian. You're not somebody who has taken up religion. You're somebody who has been transformed. But it's so important, I think, and and it's, it's not automatic. There are some things which are automatic. And for many of us, that will be different. Some of you, some of your behaviour traits would have changed immediately you became a Christian. For me, swearing stopped the moment I became a Christian. Now, I I may have sworn twice, probably, maybe, since becoming a Christian in 1991, which is 19 years ago. Yes? They look at me like, I'm a, like I know maths. You're only a teaching assistant. Come on, you know about maths. Um, probably twice, but that, what I'm saying is even that just shows you I can even remember a couple of times. And, it, and normally it's to do with those really sharp corners on a cupboard. You know, oh, wow. You know, those, you know those moments? And I wouldn't say swearing is, um, is a good thing, but I'll tell you what, those moments. It's horrible, isn't it? Some things would have changed immediately, but God, but that may be not true of you. You may, you may still be struggling with swearing. But you know in yourself, you're thinking, I want to change that. So even by saying that, you are recognising the fact your desires have changed. Your ambitions have changed. Your behaviour has changed. The way you treat the opposite sex has changed. The way you, you act at work has changed. Things have changed. Things have been affected. Because you've become a Christian. It's so important, though, that you understand your identity if you're going to live a successful Christian life. I'm not saying I'm going to, I'm going to click a magic click. That was a magic click or anything like that. I'm not going to say I'm going to say some magic words because some Christians live with a hope that there's going to be a magic wand or a magic conference or a magic preacher or a magic laying on of hands. If you don't know what I'm talking about, forgive me. But a magic moment where, oh, temptations just disappeared. I'm now floating. It's just like, what? what? It's all gone. Those things I, I... No. But you do need to know your identity and it will help you to be transformed more and more. So, let's look at these things. It talked in here in, um, that you have taken off your old self and have put on the new self. So, your old man and your new man. I want to talk about the new man and the old man. What does that mean as a Christian? Let me just clarify it. If you are a Christian, you have, ta- you have taken off the old man. You have died to an, to an old man. An old man has died. Now, I'll explain it in a minute, what, what, what I mean by that, but I want you to understand. Somebody has died. A death has happened to you. And that's your old man. He's died. Alright? He's dead. And... You are a new man. It has happened. You are a new man or woman. I can see Georgina looking at me going, yes, you are all men and women. I'm going to talk about man, all of you. Okay? The old man, the old man has died, and there's a new man. So what is the old man? What is it? I told you earlier that we're in two races. We're either in Adam or in Jesus. Okay? Your old man is who you were in Adam. Everybody who is born, now please stay with me, this is so important you get this, when you are born, you are born in the race of Adam. Okay? 
My children are beanies. All right? It's not quite a race. But it could start one. There's a few of us. Taking over the world. It's my plan. The rate. Now, what happens with my children is this. For good and for bad, they take after me. That's the bad bit. And for good, they take after Helen, right, my wife. <laughs> and you know what? I, am, I have a certain character, and I can see the character coming out in them, good stuff and bad stuff. And I, You know, sometimes when it's like with your children, you look at them and you think, that is so like me. Oh, it's, I can see myself. I can read what they're thinking because it's like me. And they are, they were in me, weren't you? I won't, I won't go to the kind of birds and the bees this morning. <laughs> we haven't quite broached that one yet. Um, they were in me. They were in us. And they are out of us. They bear our likeness. Now, I'm doing this very simply. They bear our likeness. They're in my likeness. They're in Helen's likeness. You, when you are born, are born in Adam. That's what the Bible says. You're either in Adam, or a natural man, you are linked to Adam, or you're linked to Jesus. You bear, when you're born, the image of God, but also the fallen image of Adam. Do you understand? You are like Adam. I am. I was like Adam. I was in Adam. I was of his race. Now, if you know anything about Adam and Eve, I talk about Adam, right? They fell. They disobeyed God. And it, it kind of is epitomised and summarised and comes to a head when they are hiding from God. God made man. They disobeyed God. And then when God comes to, to, to walk with them in the garden, it says they were hiding from God. And then after that, they are cursed. They leave the garden, or rather they're forced out of the garden. And then comes in all kinds of perverted behaviour, including sexual sin and relational sin, the things we're talking about, right? The old image. The old image, sexual sin, relational sin, murder, strife, war, selfishness, that was our image. We were in Adam. We, had, we were made in the image of God initially. God said, I will make you in my image, mankind. But then that image, that perfect image, like God, has been marred, has been distorted, has been twisted to the point now where we are hiding from God. We are rebellious to God by nature. We run away from God. We want to do things our way. That's our old man. And Paul talks about it. Sexual sin. Relational sin. That's our old nature. That's our old identity, as it were. But now, it says here, if you're a Christian, you have taken off that old man. He's died. He's gone. You are now joined to another man. Who? Jesus. You are now joined to Jesus. And let me just summarise quickly for you. 
Man was made in the image of God. That image was marred and destroyed and damaged and broken. And what God is in the process of doing is restoring you back to the image of God. Do you understand? He is transforming you. We talk about that identity thing. You are being transformed to be, again, restored to how God wants you to be. That is what's going on in your life now. The new man is Christ and you in him. The old man, who you were, is dead. Now you are joined to Jesus. I'm rushing through this, I appreciate that. I am now in Jesus. Everything that he is and has done is mine by grace through faith, through union with him. Let me put this this way. Have you lived a perfect life? Hands up if you lived a perfect life. Alright? Now I want to test you on your, on your understanding of what I'm talking about. In Jesus, have you lived a perfect life? If you don't raise your hand, you don't know what I'm talking about. Because in Christ, you are righteous as a gift. You're in him. He lived a perfect life. You in him have lived a perfect life. Do you understand? He died for sin. He died for your sin on the cross. He rose again. Sam talked about it last week. We have risen again in new life because we're joined to him. You are, before God, righteous and perfect because you are out of Adam and you are in Christ and linked to him. hope you understand what I mean. Your old man is dead. You are now a new man in Jesus. That is the new man. You've taken off the old self and have put on the new self. A Christian is a new man, has a new image. He has undressed that old image, he's thrown off that old image and he is dressed with Jesus. And he says this in Colossians chapter 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. God is giving you a whole new image in Christ. But you'll notice there, it says, put to death. Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your old nature. Just because you're in Adam, have you noticed that you're still tempted? Have you ever noticed that? Raise your hand if you notice you're still tempted. Let me embarrass you. Like, sand, write those down. You're still tempted. You are in Jesus, you are a new man, but there are still temptations. And the Bible says that we are to put to death what belongs to our old nature. We're to put those things off. We are new, we are resurrected. We are in Christ. The old man has died, but we're still to be vigilant and to be careful to put things to death. We are to kill the things that belong to the old man. We're to kill those things. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Put them to death. That means, so I think sometimes Christians feel, and I've certainly met them, that it's almost like, well, I would have expected if I become a Christian that everything would just fall away. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we're to repent 
and we're to put things to death. We're to vigorously make effort to put off what belongs to our old life. Because you know what? You can have a certain identity and not live in the good of it, can't you? You can be rich and yet live like a beggar, can't you? I've certainly heard many stories of of somebody, you find them, very sad stories of where an elderly person is found dead. And they've lived like a beggar. Their houses are falling to pieces and it's a mess everywhere. And they find out they are extremely wealthy. And they've lived like a beggar. They've lived like they're poor. Do you know that? Your identity can be something that you're not living the good of it. But you can also be poor and live like a king, can't you? Your income could be such that you can't really afford a Mercedes and a BMW. And, 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 and. But such is the credit card culture and higher purchase agreements that we can now have those things, even if you can't afford them. You can be poor and live like a king. You can be married and yet behave like you're single, can't you? You can go out on the town, take the wedding ring off, Pockets, let's have some fun. You can be single and yet live like you have the privileges of marriage. You know what I mean by that. And so what I'm saying is you can have a new identity, which is you are in Jesus. Everything that happened to Jesus has happened to you. You are raised with Christ. You're a a son of God, adopted in this family. You're a prince. You have eternal life. You have destiny. You have strength. You have have gifts from from God. You have all those things and more and more and more. And that live like you're in poverty without purpose. Can't we? I certainly know I can. And so we need to live out of our new identity. We need to live out of the fact we are new, made new, the new man joined to Christ. And you need to know that and live in the good of that. A Christian is someone who has been raised to new life. They have been transferred from one kingdom to another. But they can live like they belong to their old lives. We are to put certain things to death. Things that belong, as it says here, to our earthly nature. And here, some of the earthly nature's things, or the old man's um, ways, are listed. If we look in verse 5, it says this, we're to put to death what belongs to the old man, things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Now, when it says greed there, having done a bit of study on it, I believe what it means by greed is not necessarily about financial greed, because sometimes our English doesn't reflect well the Greek that's behind it, it's actually probably referring to sexual or sensual greed. Okay? And what can happen is this. The thing that we are meant to control can end up controlling us. And if you go down the road of sexual sin being your God, living for it, that's the thing that gives you pleasure in life and that's the meaning of life. 
it has an ever-increasing appetite. And I know people that have visited prostitutes. But they don't start off with prostitutes. They start off with looking at the magazine. Or nowadays, the magazine is probably redundant. Looking at the internet website. And it probably doesn't even start there. It may even start with looking at the Debenhams, lingerie department's website. Forgive me for being open with you, but that's the, this is the world we live in and we need to be clear about this. It doesn't start necessarily with... It starts with a glance. It goes with a look. It enters the heart, begins to bear fruit, and your appetite for immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, your greed for those things grows and grows and grows and grows to your own destruction. The promise of God is this. If you will serve God in marriage, now the, Jesus, like Jesus, I know he wasn't married, right? But Jesus was faithful to his Father. And if you will be... If you will live like Jesus regarding, now, regarding what Jesus would say about marriage, you will enjoy freedom. You'll enjoy, you'll enjoy intimacy. You'll, you'll have the security, the health of it. And particularly, I guess, I want to say to young people here who are yet to, um, you know, as you progress through life, the promise for you is this, is that if you will put God first, and you will live according to his ways regarding sexual sex, you will enjoy your sex. You will enjoy your life. But if you will go down the road of the old man, Adam, disobeying God, then you'll end in a very sorry place. That doesn't mean to say there's no opportunity for you to come back, but you may have made an awful lot of mistakes along the way. But for all of us, there's opportunity to come back. Okay? For every one of us, there is repentance and an opportunity to come back to God. Sex and desiring of sexual pleasure can be our God, and for many it is. The second list of things it talks about, these are the things we're meant to put off, the old man's ways, are anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, and do not lie to each other. In other words, these are relational sins. These are things which relate to the way we treat one another. Now, even within, even within the church, there are relational tensions, are there not? Okay? I think you might have noticed that, the, 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 that there is a temptation in our culture to live within our, our homes where you know, the English man's home is my castle. And we put up our walls... And we don't actually have relationships with other people. You, do you know that? You, you may live in a street where you don't know your neighbours. Because there's, been a te- there's a tendency and a temptation because we hurt each other and because it's just actually better, actually, if I keep my distance. Because relationships are painful. If you join the church, it's going to be painful. And there'll be quite serious relational difficulties. Not just like, you're sat in my chair. And I was going to sit in, that, sit in that chair. You know I always sit in that chair. Now, actually serious things. Somebody does something to you. Somebody hurts you. Somebody offends you. Somebody from the church steals from you. These things happen. Because none of us are perfect yet. Somebody in the church loses their temper with you. Thumps you in the nose. I remember one of the elders looking at me once. And it took me all my energy not to thump him. 
hey, seriously, I nearly whacked him because he, he confronted me about an issue. And I was like, I, I was like, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you, I'm not going to hit you. I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you. And he's like, eh, eh, don't hit him, don't hit him, don't hit him. You may hit me later. Um, serious relationship problems happen. Now, you, can, you have a temptation. You can behave like Adam. Adam, you can, you can be divisive, you can uh, un, be unforgiving, you can behave like you're in Adam, or you can behave like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He reconciles people. He forgives people. I want to say, it doesn't matter how much you hurt each other, Jesus wants you reconciled. There's no place in the church for unforgiveness. Because if we can't forgive each other, what have we got to offer anybody else? And as people, more and more broken and hurting people come and join this church, they need to find a community of forgiving, loving people who are like Jesus. That's your identity. Like Jesus. Not an identity. Your old man. That's judgmental and so on. We've actually run out of time. I will finish, because my second point was, put on the new man. Which I've kind of said anyway, haven't I, really? Live like Jesus, my friends. But I will read you something from Romans, and I'll recommend you a book, and then we'll stop. Let me read you this wonderful passage. And do this, understanding the present time, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Now, I just want to look at you in the eyes, if I could look at you all in the eyes. I'm not a chameleon, so I can't do that very well. Do you need to wake up from your slumber this morning? Are you in sexual sin? Are you in sexual sin? Okay, I'm talking particularly to the church. If you're outside the church... Come talk to me afterwards. But particularly looking at your church, are you in sexual sin? You've died to that. You, know, you can't breathe underwater. You can't fly. A Christian can't commit. Or they do, but you, it's not your nature, is it, to commit sexual sin. Jesus doesn't commit sexual sin. Adam does. Those who are in Adam do. If you're in Christ, Jesus doesn't commit sexual sin. Jesus loves purity. You love purity, don't you? Please make sure you repent of that. Maybe, maybe talk to a friend. Get married. Maybe. Wake up from your slumber. Maybe you're in relational difficulties. Maybe you're unforgiving someone. In the church, outside the church. Now, Alid next week is going to talk about forgiveness in much more detail. Because your salvation is nearer now than when it first, you first believed. The night is nearly over. In other words, Jesus is coming. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime. Not in orgies. Or drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. <laughs> Not in dissension and jealousy. So those are two things together. Sexual sin, relational sin. Rather, clothe yourselves 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with him, please. And do not think about how to gratify the flesh. We'll stop there, but I'm going to recommend to you a book which I've brought up here. This is a catchy title. It's called Worldliness. Okay? And if you don't know what worldliness is, it's kind of what I'm saying, really. It's a Christian living like they're not a Christian. And I'll I'll, I'll just mention to you a few of the chapters. Because for some of you, and us, all of us, come on, we're all tempted to this, it kills our spiritual vitality. It kills our joy. It kills our excitement. Because we're living in sin. These are some of the titles. God, my heart, and media. In other words, video games, stuff like that, internet. God, my heart, and music. Do you know, Jesus wants to control your iPod collection, your music collection. God, my heart, and stuff. Okay? Possessions. New sofa. New sofa, new sofa, new sofa, new sofa. God, my heart, and clothes. I'd be sexist, sorry ladies. God has, a, God has a will for how we dress. Modesty, godliness, propriety, and then how to love the world. And this is really talking about how to put off the old man. The old man. We're not like that anymore. We're like Jesus, aren't we? We're a community of people like Jesus. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work in us. We thank you. You've, in you, we've been raised again and in you, we have new life and in you, we have new appetites, new desires. And I pray for this church, Lord, as we, as we do this construction in this building, I pray for a construction in our hearts. Our desire is to glorify you in the nation's to see you, Jesus, glorified. And I pray, Father, that each of us here would be living for you, like we read and sang in that song, living for you and enjoying you and satisfied with you, obedient to you, that we can genuinely say to those who don't know you, my Jesus, my Saviour, he's lovely, he gives me joy, He gives me vitality. Living for him is what life is about. I pray we'll be like lovers who can't stop speaking about their lover. I pray we'll be like those who are just overflowing, Lord. Me, all of us, Lord, overflowing because of our first love. Jesus, let us not just be surface and veneer, but I pray we'll be heart and soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for your time, guys. It's uh, coffee and drinks out in the welcome area. It'd be great to talk to you if you have any questions. And uh, have a great rest of the day.